What is this? Friend parking? <laughs> yeah, do you want to do the class? Barricades Lemons Podcast. I'm Eamon Martin, your, your moderator. Yep, I am your moderator. I use they them pronouns and today I am drinking a bubble tea and they did my order wrong so it had loads of milk in it and I treated <laughs> myself so I got a large so I've drunk a lot of dairy for the first time in a while. So it's gonna be some fun airtime. <laughs> today on why this episode is shorter than usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah, that's it. That's what it is. We're yeah. going to be taking gas breaks every 15 <laughs> seconds, guys. I am Grace. Uh, I use the them pronouns. I am your primary researcher and your deadline boy <laughs> in deadline hell. <laughs> crunch time, crunch time. This is Stevie. She here, your secondary researcher. And I successfully negotiated a higher wage for myself. Yeah! Yay! Yeah. Woo! Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, it was only Power. 30p more than minimum wage, but still. CV. <laughs> <laughs> but one of those other jobs I picked up is £12.50 an hour. So, swings and roundabouts, that's delicious. I was talking to some people today about how, you know, we're all fair to free... Theatre freelancers. I was talking to the guy who's producing the show that I'm working on now, and I was wondering how he was able to self-fund so many shows when I know that all he does is write and perform in his own shows. So, like, how are you funding yourself? And he was like, oh, yeah, my... Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, nothing I say is going to be funny. <laughs> Fuck you, Grace. His, his producing partner is a barrister, so he doesn't actually, like, do any of the producing work. He's just the bank. Mm. So, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, he makes an uh, obscene amount of money, maybe, like, three times the amount I do in a year. And I was like, cool, 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 Yeah. So, talking about, like, £12.50, I was, like, trying to work that out in my head of how much that is per annum and just being, like... Probably like twenty one k or yeah, and that's 19K. only one day the occasional week. Mm. I'm usually eight pounds. Still not paying student finance. Hell yeah! How I would like it. Mm-hmm. Talking of money. Talking of money. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I was re-listening to our last episode, and um, you brought up a quote which was that Bishop Muriel was the one to teach Jean Valjean about money. And we made a whole thing about capitalism and all that kind of stuff. And we were very clever and it was great. <laughs> and then I was thinking that the literal only reason that Jean Valjean is able to make so much in M sur M is because he, when he was in jail, he learned about the jet and how much it cost and all that kind of stuff. And money has been, I mean, money is the reason that he was in jail because he didn't prison because he didn't have any. I don't know whether I still accept that mm. it was Bishop Muriel that taught him about money since literally everything, his existence as a child was to help his sister make money, right? I say it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is why I brought up the quote to be like, do we agree with this guy's analysis? Mm. But wasn't to reach a point where anyone would take him and his jet making seriously? Didn't he have to already have enough money to have a standing? No, because he saved the um, 
he saved the head of the guard's children from a fire, and that was the only reason that he could mm. get in. Mm, yeah. That was that was why no one um, asked for his papers and that. Yeah, mm. but he did have the investment basically from mm. um, Muriel and that. Mm. I feel like though, if he didn't have money, even if he like came to this town, saved that fire, mm. saved the kids from the fire, he couldn't have. Just being like, oh, by the way, guys, I'm poor. Yeah, no, of course not. Then it would have been like, oh, great job, poor person. Back to you. on comes to you. Yeah. Mm. That's. Can you remind us what the quote? What the quote okay, is? Okay. Yeah. So it is. Sorry for anyone who is binging. <laughs> <laughs> um, so not in quote marks that the bishop teaches JJ to make money and fortune to later give to Cosette. In quote marks, money is associated through Jean Valjean's rehabilitation process with bourgeois virtues and values. And this was a quote by someone I took a lot of notes from. Victor Hugo and the visionary novel, Victor Bromberg, 1984. Yeah, when I first brought it up, it wasn't necessarily to be like, here's a fact. Yeah. It no, was, no. yeah. What do you all think? Yeah. Mm. Do we agree with that? bourgeois mm. values I don't think so I don't think so because although mm, although we do see in the last chapter when it talks about um, Jean Valjean the way he reads and the way that he spends a lot of his spare time educating himself and that his um, uh, speaking patterns change and his um, mm. like his vocabulary changes and that sort of thing to lose mm. to sound more scare quotes cultured mm. so you can see the sort of bourgeois development there I guess but I don't know whether it's because of my own political leanings but it, it feels it always felt more like the bishop giving um, Jabajan the, the money the, um, the silver was a sort of a leveling like a, a leveling of a playing field an enablement mm. because there's, there's lots of there's lots of points in the book so far which have been anyone can become a criminal depending on what circumstances they're forced into you know the the society builds makes criminals by not allowing them to live mm. in a sustainable way so I always sort of saw the the gift of the silver as him acknowledging encountering that especially because we had seen him feeling so much guilt about owning the silver anyway mm. like we said that Muriel was definitely using Valjean as a scapegoat not a scapegoat as a desperately trying to get rid of the silver mm. that he brought with him from his life as a bourgeois yeah. person but it was also it was specifically it was the last thing he had held on to the mm. last mm piece of that lifestyle that you could sort of see that he was like very proud of that like he really enjoyed having around mm. so it was it's it's what's the nice equivalent of virtue virtue signaling yeah like mm-hmm. like, like genuinely yeah like but genuinely trying to do the the right thing to be like this is something that's holding me back in who i want to be mm. let me pass it forward mm. And I, I think a very important point about that is that he didn't say to Valjean, this is the meaning that I'm putting on these candlesticks. He mm. was like, here, have this scrap <laughs> silver. I have bought your soul for God. Mm. 
but he but he didn't say this is the last scrap of my bourgeois silver. No, it no, means no, a no, lot no, to no, me. no, no, no. So yeah. So while there is the like the god aspect of it, disagreeing with mm. Victor Bromba Bourgeois maybe. <laughs> also, um, Muriel was like upper class, right? Muriel mm. was was. Was was big boy money, not uh, not like yeah, bourgeois yeah, sorry, necessarily. Aristocratic rather yeah, than yeah, bourgeois. Yeah. We need to stop. Yeah. I need to stop associating those. Two yeah, because I I think um, Madeline at this stage would be bourgeois. Um, oh no, we have to eat him. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a muffin. <laughs> oh, you're gonna love what I titled episode fifteen. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Because because he's um, traveling in M um, to M, and he's not trying to break into the um, aristocrats, but mm. they're always sort of like tingling their little fingers at him, sort of <laughs> whether they want to have him around as to whether mm. they're thinking, you know, ah, oh, this man's wealthy. Ah, oh, but you know, this man is not very literate you know I, I don't know there's there's he's sort of in that position where he's edging between two different worlds, two different worlds. <laughs> one dad two worlds all muffin coming in 2020 daddy muffin been reading all of Discworld because of Stevie <laughs> and uh, to the surprise of nobody I like the repentant cop character mm-hmm. <laughs> the th- like the fact that that's the, the archetype of character you go for is just like it, <laughs> like the co- like I just actually so the last book that I read was it called Nightwatch yes is definitely Lim is inspired it's yeah, like it's... about barricades he goes through uh, so his name is Captain Vimes. Man of my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and he, one of the things that follows the character from being like the like footman to being captain is that he constantly thinks of himself as a class traitor. And interesting. Well, he's also become a duke through marriage. Yeah, there's a lot of like politics which he hates and this, like this is where the boots theory of social um, inequality comes from isn't it yeah yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. yeah the um that of when he marries his wife who is a duchess mm. uh, that they have all this old furniture and like all these old boots that mm. because they had money they could buy a good quality pair of boots and you never have to buy them again whereas mm. he's used to having the right. cardboard cardboard sole boots mm. that you are cheap initially, but that you have to keep rebuying because you wear through mm. them so quick. Right. But can't afford to buy the, g- the yeah. good pair, even though that would be cheaper mm. in the long run. It, yeah, and it's actually like a very obvious in Scarecrow's running theme of that any opportunity Vimes gets to be in his old boots, the cheaper the better, cardboard preferably, so that he can feel the roll, the road, the street beneath his feet. He will take it, and he has a lot of like guilt about well I'm in this position now and people trust my opinion so I can't just say oh it's politics and like leave it to someone else now that I'm in this position I do have to change my politics and my socio-economic understanding of the world and like I am a class traitor but also 
now that I have this position, I just have to roll with it and like... Gotta use my privilege. Exactly. And so at this barricade, at first he's very much like, these fucking children are just going to get themselves killed Mm -hmm. and they're ideological and stupid and nothing they do is going to happen, matter, because I know what's going to happen. Some new leader is going to take over and the entire thing is just going to fail in a couple of years, blah, blah, blah. Then he slowly, like, he slowly starts just being like, okay, well then, what if I was to help them? What if I was the one to change that? And there's a lot about police brutality in it, and a lot about mob mentality, and because it's from the cops' side of view, it's... It is kind of frustrating at the beginning of the like, oh, well, if you see it from the cops' side of view, they're just humans who are scared and blah, blah, blah. But then, as you go through the novel, it is a lot about him teaching the cops not to be, not to use police brutality mm. and not to, not to f- fall into the mob mentality of the people who are protesting. A lot of the cops are being like, oh, they're rioting and they're taking over the city. And he's like, oh no, they're protesting. Have they hit you yet? No. Do you think that they're going to hit you? Do you know that guy? Oh yeah, he lives down the street from me. Right, so why are you suddenly against mm. him? Also, you have the full force of all is you, all the institution and the government behind you, mm. and these are just fucking yeah. people. Exactly. Mm. Like, so it's a really mm, thoughtful way to break that in for for Babs. Mm. Yeah, mm. and like, if you are maybe on the side of like, oh well, pl- the police are human too, or they're just doing their job, or trying to keep the peace. Trying to keep the peace is a big one mm. that is mm. like a running theme in the novels as well of like, okay, but whose peace are we keeping and whose orders are we taking and how far back does this go? And if you're not political at the bottom, you you can think that you're not political because you're just a foot soldier or like just a beat cop or you're just patrolling the streets. But that's like the most political place to be because you're talking to the people and what you say to the people Mm. is what they're going to believe you stand for, the entire force stands for and all that kind of stuff. So it is really interesting. Oh, I don't know how I got onto this. Uh. I just like hearing you think so much about this world. Yeah, the huge theme of the the people that the police are protecting them. We're like, well, everyone in the city is the people. We're meant to be protecting all of them. So how do we, even if right now they're angry with us, it's still our job to protect them. Mm. If, if that's from ourselves, from themselves, or... And yeah, the, the it, it was the class thing. That's how you got onto it. Sorry. Oh, class. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so bourgeois vimes being a class traitor. Jean Valjean. I don't think there aren't the words in this novel for him to think of himself as a class traitor. I don't think. But that's a really interesting thought process. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a way to. It could be a way to read it because he does keep himself sort of in deliberately impoverished conditions for the entirety of his life but I would say Mm. that that comes more from the religious guilt then Mm. although things are more than one thing sometimes yeah like it would be an interesting reading to do yeah to stir the pot Mm. further (laughs) (laughs) um if we were to if we were to agree that he takes on these bourgeois virtues and values through having the money. Victor Brombert goes on to argue that the evil poor typified by Thenardier are seen as more ferocious than the evil rich. 
mm. in this book. Again, not sure whether I agree. I mean, Tanadia is in for longer, but then Ptolemy's is pretty fucking mean. Yeah, but he's not. He's not. He's not disgusting in the same way. Yeah. He's not like he's fuck boy rich. Yeah. He's he's he. I think he's. It's more sort of resigned, the way that I think um, Hugo mm. describes Ptolemy's. Like it's the sort of like ah, oh, this is just how rich people are. Like mm. um, this is. I don't know how to describe it. The. Um, Although he's he's described as physically unattractive, which is yeah. quite a big thing for Hugo in being like, oh, these are people that you're not meant to like. He's he, an mm-hmm. ugly bastard. He's an ugly <laughs> bastard. Uh, yeah. Isn't he like a something like a rake, like an ill-fitting yeah. rake? Or <laughs> yeah, something? something like that. Something yeah, like I that. think also he had something, some sort of leg thing. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like. Uh, a, a limp of some sort, mm. something like I don't, I don't know, which is some sort of ableist bullshit. Mm. Some sort of ableist bullshit. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, talking of virtue signaling, <laughs> it's a signaling, you know. But yeah, I don't know. It, it there's there's more. I think he's seen as less like actively malicious, like that because there's mm. I suppose they're different characters, but there's. It's more of a sort of a like a blase, negligent, lazy mm. sort of mm. cruelty, whereas even though it's still blase, negligent, lazy sort of cruelty from Tenardier, it feels more targeted and vicious. Do you think that might be because we see more of it, and it's a child? Uh, yes. That mm, uh, uh, the readers are going to associate more with. Or want to associate more with the rich people than with the poor people, and so by making them not like disgustingly vicious, but like uh, scare quotes normally mm. vicious, you you aren't like oh these are just because I would say the Tenardiers are portrayed as two very morally terrible people, but because there are quite there's a lot of poor people around them. Vajon, Javert, Fontaine, yeah, <laughs> that it's not typical. Whereas, uh, I don't know, because then you have the Barricade Boys, so it's not like Ptolemy's is the only rich person who's in this novel. But then you also have that what's his face, the guy that the bishop was talking. Uh, it always comes back to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, the prince guy, uh, mm, that politician, politician. Sort of guy. Um, yeah, I can't fucking remember who. Yeah, who the bishop was was running rings around i think most rich people in this book are stupid yeah but do you is that is that because victor hugo had to be more like careful not to make them complete outliers because it's that thing right of if you're if you're watching something and it's supposed to be like changing your behavior if you make them into a huge like character, mm-hmm. you're gonna be like, oh, but I'm not like that, so I'm fine. So, trying to think of an example. He wants it to be more sort of insidious than, like it would not not insidious in the sort of negative way. Like he wants it to be something that you, yeah, that is more in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. that you don't separate yourself from. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that you, you, you associate yourself with these characters for like as long as possible before mm. he hooks you and goes, okay, but have you thought about how this behavior might affect people? Mm. Whereas with Tanadiers, I don't think that you can even, for like one page, read along with them mm. and be like, Oh yes, as a poor person, I don't. Oh no, but then we did, didn't we? The beginning, we? Mm, the yeah, beginning. we did. You do get that. You do get that. Because we were like, oh, haha. Mm. Ha. It's a nice description of it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe mm. that's mm. nothing. I, I just I just don't trust Victor Hugo that much. Yeah, no, <laughs> I really don't. Enough. Like I don't think he. I think it's more his personal biases than a conscious choice. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, like, I was trying to be too clever for my own fucking. <laughs> no, I don't. Not no. necessarily, but that's that. That is just how I sort of feel. Yeah. So when I first, because I, so this is some of the research I did right at the beginning uh, of this podcast. So mm. this was before I'd watched the movie mm. or even read much of the book. That most of my vague ideas about what this was going to be was just through <laughs> secondary sources of people mm. being like, "I think mm. this and I think that." Um, and that particular quote, it so made me think of, um, oh God, my parents just died. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, that really big English writer. Um, that one really, Charles, Charles Dickens. 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 <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's not one. Darwin, don't say Darwin. <laughs> I wrote but an I essay about Darwin Dickens. and Dickens. Yeah. Well, excellent. So I could have. Both well, Charles's. Both Charles's, yeah. Mm. Charles's with D's. Uh, <laughs> wink. Um, but that thing of uh, with Dickens and I can't remember exactly the time period he was writing. If it exactly was the same, same time. time period. Yeah. That say with Oliver Twist, where the there are poor characters, but a lot of the time, like say with Oliver, it ta like he's so virtuous, and that's what you get at the beginning mm. to the point where you're like, this is boring. I'm more interested <laughs> in the evil characters mm. because there's stuff going on with them, and then it turns out that he was secret middle class the whole time mm. you know that sort of so this is what that sort of made me think of that this quote sorry made me think of Dickens's thing where so, like if they are poor a lot of the time if they're very good somehow money is in their past or mm. is gonna come to them mm. later so whether or not this particular the evil poor blah 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 more ferocious than the evil rich whether or not that's true going forward I've kind of had like that quote super stuck with me like to think about as we've been going through and that is why I sort of wanted to bring all this how we feel about money so far and lameness thing because mm. especially if they're writing at the same time because I, I do know that Victor Hugo is trying to do good things with this novel and it's just whether or not you're trying to be like but does he have his he's not realizing his vices or if they're mm. not there or not we're only like a centimeter in so yeah. It might be interesting to think about it in the way of like, they're not. Characters like Valjean aren't searching for riches, mm. whereas the Thenardiers are. So the. Sorry, you're gonna have to read the quote. Ferocious poor, is it? The evil poor typified by Thenardier are seen as more ferocious than the evil rich. I think, I think rather than how much money they do have, it might be how much money that they're aiming to get I don't know in in that way if Vajon never like I don't think Vajon is ever looking to make millions but it happens and then he gives it away at mm. every single possible opportunity so more about 
coveting money is the mm. evil. So on that level, like everyone who, I don't know, I don't think this is going anywhere. Like you say, I don't think that Hugo put that much thought into it. Mm. it but maybe he did. <laughs> maybe he did. <laughs> I think he probably did put a lot of thought into it, but I do think a lot of it is his unconscious biases. Like it's the same. It's the same with Dickens, isn't it? Like Dickens yeah. was an asshole. Yeah. Like Dickens was just the worst. But person. then Dickens, when he was what thirteen or something, had to work in a factory for a really long time because his father. Yeah, this is from like four years ago when mm. I was doing my third year essays. Mm. But I think it's I think it was that Dickens's father, he was brought up middle class until a certain point when his father went bankrupt, and then he had to work in a factory. And like he, all of his education, he couldn't get paid for anymore. So then he had to like be a poor person for a couple years, and then he like slowly made his way up again, kind mm. of thing. Allegedly, that's why a lot of his writing is about being a poor person because he's like, "Oh, I struggled so hard." I mean, he did. You remember like, that one time when I was poor? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I do legitimately think that he did have a hard yeah. time yeah. because he was a child mm-hmm. who had to work in a nineteenth-century factory, so that's yeah. never going to be a fun mm. time. Yeah. Um, but why he's so aware of these kind of things, mm. wasn't it? I can't remember if it was actually him, but Dickens. No, it wasn't him. There was another guy who, like, went on the streets and interviewed poor people. I thought that was Dickens. Oh, maybe it was. Okay. I think it was him. So then, like, actually putting some modicum of research in... I mean, he did... He's very much criticised for, like, talking to these people and then being like, ha, cool, 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 going home and, like, wildly embellishing it. Mm. But, I mean, when you don't have Google and stuff, like, Mm. like... Or even if you do have Google... It's a very important fact to go and talk to the people that you're writing about. Mm. Where was this coming from? Hugo, Dickens, poor people, money. Yeah. Well, class, class. money. Yeah. Their relationship. In this rambling essay that I've made us all write. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, this is kind of exactly... I just, yeah, wanted... That, that maybe we don't come to an answer, just... Mm. Musings on. Yeah, the various ways you could argue. Loads of questions. Very few answers. <laughs> Ellen is for the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> for anyone not in the room, which is most of you probably, the um, what what happens when? <laughs> Sorry, it took me like three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what happens usually is when there comes to a natural lull in the in the conversation. Steve and Nemo sort of look at each other and then pause and look at me and I go, oh, okay, so I'm pulling the book out now. <laughs> right, okay, okay. So we find... Um, <laughs> so, um, so we find um, Monsieur Madeleine in mourning at the uh, beginning of Chapter 4. Um, I've just looked down. The only annotation I have on this page is just yikes. <laughs> <laughs> What are we getting there? So the sad news that we get right at the beginning of this chapter is that um, Monsieur Muriel, Bishop of Dean, known as Monseigneur Bienvenu, has died early in 1821. So we have lost our boy, the love of our lives. Damn it, we should have started this podcast in two years. (sighs) (laughs) We'll still be going. (laughs) That's true. Someone remind us in 2021. In 2021, we'll be like here. If you're listening to this and it's 2021, 
Send us an email. Remind <laughs> us that they share Okay. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, take care of that first. But then afterwards, write a footnote. Remember, yeah. early in 2021, and we have to make a celebration of all things Miriam. We will be with Marius by then. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll still be thinking of Muriel. <laughs> Oh, we can go back and think about Muriel as to as to when he's died. Oh yeah, that's like that's that year, but later. <laughs> Second centenary is that how it works? What? It's two hundred years later, so the yeah. is that how long? Bicentennial. Yeah, that sounds mm. too good. Said with enough confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The bicentennial. <laughs> I sent Muriel. <laughs> oh my god, that's what the celebration is called. Somebody, 2021, if you're listening to this episode, you send us an email right now that says, I sent Muriel. We'll I see remember. you at the celebration. Yeah, exactly. In my reading, he's Pan. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, 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 oh, this, this, just, this whole thing is just... Uh, I hate it. It's really... Uh, uh. Uh, I can't believe they they um I can't believe that the the Victor Hugo dirtied his own character's memory with I oh, just are uh. um so the bishop um for several years prior to his death um has been blind but contented in his blindness having a sister <laughs> by his side there's lots warning just for right now lots and lots of ableism lots mm. and lots of misogyny we're just we're getting in it mm. you know it's going to be great um there's just so many just wonderful things like um, we may remark in passing that to be blind and beloved may in this world where nothing is perfect be among the among the most strangely exquisite form of forms of happiness. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 um, oh, yes, even better um, to have a wife daughter or sister continually at call a devoted being who is there because we have need of her and because she cannot live without us to be able to measure her affection by the constancy constancy of her presence and reflect if she gives me all of this time it is because i have all of her heart oh my god it's just remember guys muriel is a woman and this is an ode to lesbianism and this is talking about his sister Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> Scratch that. No incest on this podcast. None. <laughs> Nothing. And um, 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 we get this sort of long extended metaphor about the woman in this situation being an angel. Um, there's lots of things about like hearing the rustle of a dress as though it were the rustling of wings. Feeling more powerful for our weakness, becoming in obscurity and through obscurity the star around which an angel gravitates. Like, there's so much to unpack there, which is just gross. It's like feeling more powerful for our weakness. Our weakness is being blind. Becoming in obscurity. The obscurity is blindness. And through obscurity, which is also blindness. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's like, oh, there's so much just really gross stuff about, you know, the like, ah, uh, yes. And through your disability, you just understand the world more. I'm kind of surprised and, that like, he hasn't got super hearing and like... No, but he's just so content. Oh, oh, yeah, and also he has his sister, his angel, his, his beloved, angel. devoted angel. Who, who, which means that he, he doesn't lack not anything. Blind. He's basically not blind because yeah. all he needs to do is exist and his sister does everything, yeah. which is exactly how disabled people want to mm. live. I, I, 
I don't get to make assertions like that, but, you know. He, um, isn't this basically what his life was like before his blindness as well? <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, he probably couldn't get on a donkey without some no, assistance true. and ride into the mountains, mm. but substitute donkey for a sister. Yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose he was still, he was quite independent before in his comings and goings. In his affliction, to be served is to be caressed. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Quite it's just I just want to read this whole bit because it's Go just on. the worst thing. Um, but like I couldn't just get pick out a few sentences because it doesn't give you the, just the full idea. In his affliction, to be served is to be caressed. Does he lack anything? No. Possessing love, he is not deprived of light. A love, moreover, that is wholly pure. There can be no blindness where there is certainty. <laughs> the soul gropes for soul and mm-hmm. finds it. It is found and proven soul is a woman. <laughs> a hand sustains you and it is hers. Lips touch your forehead and they are her lips. The breathing at your side is her breath. To possess her every feeling from devotion to pity. To be never left in solitude. To have the support of that gentle frailty. That slender, unbreakable reed. To feel the touch of providence in her hands. And to have it able to clasp it in your arms. A palpable God. What happiness can be greater? It describes her as... Her secret heart as a celestial flower mysteriously blossoming. One that would not exchange one's darkness for light. The angel spirit is always there. She fades like a dream and reappears like reality. It's just like, it's just like... Can I borrow your book for a second, please? Yeah. Because, so, right. That was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I seem to remember... Oh, this is going to be really hard to find. Um, it's yeah, there's just so much book there to find so something book. specific. Yeah, you're just hoping to you're just, magically fate lend a hand. Oh my god, sorry, this page is so cute. We're not going to get here for like 10 years. No. I'm going to read this to you because it's really okay. fucking cute. Monsieur Madeleine, as we may recall, had read a great deal. Jean Valjean continued to do so and had in consequence become an excellent talker, displaying the stored riches and eloquence of a humble and honest self-taught mind. He was a rough and he was a tough and gentle spirit, retaining just enough ruggedness to season its natural kindness. Um, during their visits to Luxembourg, this is him and Child Gazette, he discoursed upon whatever came to his head, drawing upon his wide reading and past suffering, and Cosette listened while she gazed about her. She adored him, she constantly sought him out. Where Jean Valjean was, there was contentment, and since he did not frequent the Villa Royal Garden, she was happier in the paved backyard than in the blossoming enclosure, happier in the cottage. Jean Valjean would something say, sometimes say, delighted at being thus pursued, now run along and leave me in peace. So That's super fucking pure. I can't believe that Cosette is still a child at that point. In I, know, I know. I was like, so getting to like, maybe the starting to death has started. Well, she's thirteen. This is just bef- just as oh, she's just about before. to meet Marius. Mm-hmm. Like right in she the next Oh man, he super describes her like a child. Then this just a whole lot. No, but does this feel realistic? I thought it was here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't find it. Okay, so I couldn't find the exact quote in like five minutes of frantically searching the entire novel <laughs> yeah I, d- <laughs> I thought i thought it'd come close but maybe uh, i don't know where it is it comes to a point where Valjean is talking about cosette or the narrator is talking about Valjean's opinion of cosette he's basically being like oh blah blah he cared for her he nurtured her he loved her he loved her he loved her he loved her blah blah blah, blah. it goes on for a really long time 
And then, like, at the end, the narrator is like, I hasten to add, he loved her as a child, as his daughter. Don't you get some fucking shit? shit. I love, moreover, that is wholly pure. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, the fact that this didn't, like, didn't be like, and he loved her as a sister, in plain words. It says that, though. Does that, it that's say what that says. As a sister? No, no, not as a sister, but it says, no, possessing love is not deprived of like A love, moreover, that is wholly pure. That was sort of what I took from that. But then when Marius kisses Eponine one time, mm. Hugo is like, and it was as a friend. It mm. was as a friend. So in the two times that men have kissed women as totally platonic, mm. he specifically goes, as a friend as a daughter yeah. so like the the way that that like so we are talking about incest well, that's <laughs> yeah. what, what i'm trying to say the description is. was a lot like everyone here is a sibling i would never wish to be spoken in that <laughs> yeah how would i ever speak about my brother in that way yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah we all have brothers as well but the, uh, like i feel like this passage is sort of a, is not a it's a hypothetical it's a like here are some feelings that there are about men with disabilities and the women in their lives. <laughs> like, because it, it does the, you know, to have a wife, a daughter, a sister. Mm-hmm. It does, it's not specifically... It doesn't matter how it doesn't matter as long as they're as long there, there mm. for you. And then at the end it does the, like, this is the paradise from which Monsignor Bienvenu passed away. It's not like this is a description of his experience it's like mm. this is what it's like to have a woman that loves you okay so then maybe doing a different tangent <laughs> I, ju- we, I feel like we can just let incest go <laughs> okay like yeah, I'm happy to strike now. incest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we take a different tangent and say okay so when Valjean is dying and like sadding himself to death he doesn't have a woman beside him to take care of him. No, that's because he sads himself to that's death. Because he sads himself mm-hmm. rather than the blissful, blissful paradise. Yeah, he could have had it all. He could have <laughs> had it all. He Rolling could have had his daughter there. Yeah. He lost his heart and soul. <laughs> and he played into the <laughs> So with the West End production, with the Fontaine and Eponine and Cosette being there surrounding him yeah. ah. he gets to die in the blissful embrace oh, of all oh, of the women oh is this where this has been going no it hasn't been where this has been going but you just <laughs> thought about it and you're like I can wrap this up like this <laughs> yes yeah, that's yeah, exactly that's what happened yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense yeah I get I'm sure I'm sure that that happening was a reference to this yeah Boobal and Schoenberg Bubble and Schoenberg, yeah. yeah. Um, they definitely found this passage, mm, took yeah. it to heart, <laughs> and went, that's how we're going to end our musical. Les Miserables. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's well, a pretty poignant image. It's a pretty poignant image. Yeah. 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 They're like... Yeah, it does talk about women as angels and light, mm. so... Why not? You know? Why Let's not? get us some women on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, see? <laughs> I you two women on the stage. Do you know what? Because you enjoyed that, I'll give you three. <laughs> and all of them, they're all going to be wearing white. You like that? Angelica Lightness, all wearing white. I'm going to need at least two to be blind. One's a brunette, we chuck a brunette in for those folks, you know? Not everyone likes a blonde. 
I don't know where that accent We're went. doing New York, and I you're tried. doing Cockney. <laughs> you know I don't like with accents. Yeah, no, it's valid, it just, it's valid. I went same, same energy. Yeah, it was the same energy. Yeah, I did try over there. Yeah, yeah. see? Yes, yeah. I'm sure we're going to get loads of people being like, New York, that wasn't fucking New York. We don't know what it was. Back to these angelic women. Back to these angelic women. So, um, he dies. Um, his death was reported in the local paper and the following day um, Monsieur um, um, Muffin appears clad in black with a band of black crepe around his hat Um, and here is some interesting um, class related bullshittery Um, the matter was much discussed because um, people interpreted him mourning the bishop as him being related to the bishop because why would he mourn the bishop if you know he wasn't related to the bishop so for, you know for however many days whatever afterwards um all of lots of the rich the um aristocracy in the town are sort of a bit like woo about him um that's what it says in the book that's what it says it says the rich people in the town the aristocracy are a bit woo about him <laughs> um can we remember where Dean is? Was it down there? We did a whole Google Maps thing. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it was down there. Because because he walked there from Toulon. So. Yeah. Well, I guess he walked to Toulon at the bottom. Dean in the middle. Yeah. Paris is at the top. Montchaux-sur-Mer is like just northwest of Paris. It's like... By the sea. Yeah, it's by the sea. Yeah. Up there. So I guess it, it is that much of a leap. Like, why would you mourn the bishop of some place mm. all the way fuck over there unless you were related to him? And also, you know that he's really religious. So. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, just mourning random bishops and things is, yeah. is quite, like, just... I don't know how many people mourn bishops. Yeah. Is that a big thing? I don't... I don't know. I thought... I didn't like, think a bishop was... I think bishop is fair. Very important. It's not like an archbishop. It's not like an archbishop. <laughs> no, it's fair. How no. many archbishops to a bishop do you get? How many priests do you get to a bishop? I don't know. I yeah. don't know. My time watching The Exorcist didn't prepare for this. <laughs> no, no. I know that there's one pope. Okay, yeah. I feel like I was on that level of knowledge too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. So if someone said, oh, you know, the other pope, it would have been like, oh, oh the other pope, sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The young pope for the people aged 16 to 25. <laughs> <laughs> the cool pope. The cool, yeah. Yeah, the um, aristocracy of the town were disposed to abandon its attitude of aloofness since he appeared to be related to the bishop. Uh, JJ realises that people are thinking this and is like, <laughs> he's made aware of his promotion because he gets more curtsies from the older ladies and more smiles from the younger ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, one evening a uh, sort of older woman I love this um, entitled by her ancient lineage to be inquisitive <laughs> I can't wait to be entitled by my ancient lineage <laughs> I, ju- that, I don't think that's how it works I don't no, think, it's, it's, I don't think you have to I don't think it's you like I can marry to, into yeah it's not something that just oh I, I was taking it to mean she's so old she's so she can do old. what she wants yeah. <laughs> that's it, why uh, I read that sentence this um, not Stevie um, lady go, uh, um, no doubt, Monsieur Le Maire. Um, the late Bishop of Dean was your cousin? No, madame. But, said the lady, you are in mourning for him. He replied, that is because in my youth I was a lackey in his family. Oh. 
so that's what what's what he he has this opportunity to be accepted truly into the aristocracy (laughs) 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 and um lets it go to reaffirm his um um not aristocracy but then he is saying an outright lie yes no no he's not he's not saying he once did a great kindness to me he's saying i served in i served in his family yeah does he see himself as serving muriel and his quest quest for him to be a better man (laughs) Mm. yeah i mean technically he was younger Mm. i think he sees himself as owing muriel Mm. so is this his first Mm. lie I think it's the first one we're given that he's like, because yeah. like you were saying with the fire and stuff, it was mm, like by omission. Here, yeah. this one is he's literally going to these this woman being like, oh no, when mm. I was younger, I had a respectable job, not a high job, but a respectable yeah. job as a lackey for the family, and I worked my way up. To yeah. Also, it's a bit silly because anyone who anyone who lived in Dean, anyone who knew the bishop, mm. would know that he didn't. He didn't? <laughs> yeah. Like... You, his first, it's his first lie. I was about to be like, your first lie and you fucked it. It's his first lie. He fucked it. Yeah. But it was his first lie. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> Lying gets you nowhere, children. Lying gets you nowhere. Yeah. Take that forward. His fake CV, where he's just like, yeah. <laughs> soon as, as soon as someone, you know, makes that, that call to his reference, yeah. his, his referees, like, gonna be fucked there was no lackey here <laughs> um, monsieur madeleine no the muffin man did not live on not daddy muffin <laughs> drury lane ah nice good joke it was also noted that whenever a vagrant boy appeared in the town looking for chimneys to sweep the mayor sent for him asked his name and gave him money the word went round among the young savoyards then many of them a great many of them came here is my <laughs> house of chimney boys <laughs> I think this is a pretty gavosh <laughs> sort of situation. Definitely is. No one's got cleaner chimneys than old Daddy Muffin. <laughs> 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 He's literally trying to like put the words back into their mouth. <laughs> They're like coiled over themselves in like deep regret and shame. <laughs> Honestly, like, that laugh came out of me so hard that I feel like I might be sick. <laughs> <laughs> That's just That's the just <laughs> Oh. We do know that it's his guilt. It's for his. Petit Gervais. Normal brain, it's Petit Gervais. <laughs> did I say Petit Gavroche? You did. I might have did. Yeah. I might have did. They killed it like Hugo killed Muriel. <laughs> <laughs> There was a certain point where we were just like, this is just how we're going to say it. Muriel. Muriel. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. This has been... Brent, Brent. I was wondering if we had any final thoughts. Oh. But. Any thoughts? Sad about the death yeah. of Muriel. We're all going to be wearing black crepe crowns. Yeah, I guess. always. It lays up the, the guilt thing. Mm. Like, there's no way that he's going to find this boy, really. Mm. And he's ob- he's obviously given many, 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 many times more than he stole from um, Petit Gervais, but he cannot forgive himself for the guilt. Mm. And that's not something that he lets go of. Did he never go and visit Muriel? 
No, I don't think he did. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, it would have said if he did, but my question, really, the statement should have been, why didn't he ever go and visit Muriel? <laughs> Maybe, you know, that thing where you're like, oh, I'm not good enough yet. When I'm good enough, I'll go mm. back to see him. More like, oh, <laughs> I, I completely get that because I've been thinking about emailing my old counsellor for like three years. Same. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? It's the like, I'll be like, here are all the achievements I've done. I'm doing great. And every time I'm like, not yet. <laughs> One more. Yeah. Well, this should teach us all a thing or two. Yeah. Message your old counsellor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, just, yeah. Or talk to the person that you've been meaning to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wait, on the specific end, go and talk. Everyone should go and talk to their old counsellors. Yeah. On the less specific end, shoot off my email. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm saying that and like, I'm ignoring loads of people right now. So. Uh, no, it's gone. Oh, sorry. I was going to say maybe you're someone's Muriel and they're oh. trying to message you. Cute. No. <laughs> no, I'm not adding to your guilt about not replying. As long as you always reply to me. Of course I will. Muriel would have loved that text, Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's been Brown Barricades, a lame podcast. Produced by me, Nima Martin and Julian Yap. It was Captain's Collections podcast. If you have any comments, questions or quibbles, you can email us at lamispodcast, L-E-S-M-I-S podcast at gmail.com. Send us a message on Tumblr at Bread and Barricades or on Twitter at lamispodcast. If you like this show and you would like to help send Stevie to the library, you can donate on our Kofi, which is in the show sure. notes. Our audio director is Jade, uh, who you can find on her website, jdwaselby.com. We audio transcribe this show. We're very slow but we are slowly making our way through if you would like to volunteer any time please let us know um you can volunteer to do one episode 10 episodes however many episodes that you'd like to do we're aware that it's a very hard task but we would appreciate it a lot thanks <laughs> amazing thanks for listening looked up and suddenly there was hummus and I was like Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> that's such a like we've been talking about the hummus for like the last five minutes maybe and it's just such an ADHD thing where you're like <laughs> just looking through your book and you're like wait what? <laughs> <laughs> like focus <laughs> yeah.